Welcome to today's episode in Parenting Your Peace, a podcast series for parents in burnout. Parenting Your Peace is a podcast helping you to connect with your relationship with yourself, your ideas about what parenting should look like, and examine a deeper understanding of how you can support yourself recovering from parental burnout. This podcast is perfect for you if you are a family with foster and adoptive kiddos, families with special needs children, as well as those parents experiencing all the new challenges as they grow their family or change the dynamics in their parenting relationships or family dynamics. Welcome to the show. Have you ever been in a situation where your car just wasn't working? It wouldn't accelerate, it wouldn't brake, there was something functionally wrong with your car and you just couldn't start it? Well, in this episode, I'm going to talk about a story that is a very emotional story for me, but stay tuned until the end of the story and I will talk to you about how this relates to parental burnout. If you're tuning in, I do want to mention that this story is short, also may cause some warning around it if you are very sensitive to information about cars, accidents, or if you've had issues with getting into an accident yourself, this next story might be a bit intense at moments. So with that in mind, let's get started. So I was driving in my car down the freeway and for whatever reason, I knew that my car was having issues. Several weeks into driving my vehicle during the winter months in Michigan, I found that my car just wouldn't start some days. There were times when it would sputter out in the mornings, wouldn't actually turn over. And after several times taking it to the car dealership, I really wasn't able to figure out why it was not working as intended. As I'm rolling down the highway one day on my way back to home after a long day's work, I started to realize that my car was starting to make some sounds. Specifically, it sounded like something was falling underneath my car onto the freeway. Of course, this frightened me so much to the point where my heartbeat is going up. I'm feeling incredibly very, very tense, worried that my car could get into an accident in any moment. The second thing I also started noticing was that my car was not accelerating, meaning I wasn't able to keep the same speed as the cars that were surrounding me. And on the freeway, speed is kind of important because someone can actually hit you from behind. That being said, I was successfully able to move my car over to the shoulder of the road where I continued to try to figure out what was happening with my car. Finally. After taking some time, I stopped the car completely safely on the shoulder of the road. There was no accident, and thankfully, I was very, very safe. That being said, I just couldn't figure out what was going on. I had a highway patrol officer come over, and I was able to successfully bring my car and tow it back to my house. Luckily for me, there was no accident involved, but it really got me thinking about everything that was happening underneath my hood. It turns out there were several things that just needed replacing and I had no idea, nor the mechanics knew, how all of these different issues were coming and contributing to my overall health and workability of this car. This leads me to the point of this episode, which is how many times are we going throughout our day wondering why aren't I working the same way I used to work? What is going on with me and the way I'm feeling? What is going on 
with my outlook on life. I'm just not sure why I feel the way I do or why I'm not working as I have in the past. Let me go ahead and just briefly introduce myself. If you're brand new to this series or this episode, my name is Melody and I am a foster and adoptive mama of two kiddos. I also have a background in early childhood education. I have a master's in adult learning theory. So today as a parent coach, I want to talk a little bit more about parenting your own piece and how you can find how to recognize the symptoms of burnout. Well, if you are maybe thinking to yourself that you have burnout or experiencing burnout or on the brink of burnout or just plain want to avoid burning out as a parent, I want to talk a little bit more about running on empty. Maybe as a parent, you are experiencing grief, loss, anger, depression. You might start feeling feelings of guilt or apathy if you are no longer feeling compassionate towards yourself, towards others, towards your children. Perhaps you're feeling a lot of grief and loss over experiencing a new addition to your family or maybe experience of some personal losses that are contributing to your overall mental health. As we kind of consider all of those factors, the first thing I want to mention is those feelings are valid. It is very valid to feel a big shift in your family dynamics and to feel a grief and loss, anger or depression when things change. Um, maybe there's some other dynamics at play. Maybe you're a foster and adoptive mama and you recently have experienced a lot of grief and pain and anxiety over changes that are happening um, between placements or new changes within the dynamics of your home with your siblings for your biological kiddos or your adopted kiddos or your foster kiddos. Regardless of where you're coming from, it's important to identify that these feelings are valid. You are absolutely not alone to start feeling that those are true experiences that you are going through and there are many people who have experienced this in the past. Likewise, I want you to also consider strategies that can help you guide your own personal development and support system as you begin to recover from parental burnout. Sleep is an ongoing battle with any family, especially families having recently given birth to an infant or potentially with a new placement for foster and adoptive families. Perhaps your child has some medical conditions that require you to constantly maintain their ability to get regulated sleep throughout the evening into the morning hours. If you are a working parent, a single parent, or have to trade off some of the responsibilities for caretaking with yourself and a co-parent, that additionally causes additional strain to yourself. Keeping in mind that sleep is an ongoing battle, not just for children, but also for adults, it can be easy to recognize that sleep is a deficit for you and still struggle to find ways to improve your sleep. If you're listening to this and you're diagnosed with sleeping conditions that you're not able to control, I recognize that not everyone has the same level of sleep ability as others. With this in mind, I also want to recommend some strategies to consider as you decide what is a reasonable expectation for yourself and your family to obtain the necessary sleep that you need to function day to day. Sleep can do absolutely wonders for yourself, including giving you the ability to function, 
communicate properly and also feel really good in your own skin. Here's some strategies that have helped me in the past and some things that you may want to be able to try. Number one, create a sleep log. If you have a goal for yourself to be able to sleep soundly through a specific time period, try writing down the amount of hours that you get when you go to sleep and when you wake up. If it's not reasonable to expect yourself to sleep through the night, that's okay. If it makes more sense that you would be sleeping until your child wakes up or you need to tend to something, that's also okay. It's okay to still realize that you would love to get more sleep and still recognize that you can still have something that you can do to improve your sleep quality. Number two is consider strategies to calm down to improve the quality of your sleep. So for instance, if you don't have any trouble staying asleep, but you have problems going to sleep, meaning you find yourself being restless, you have trouble actually calming yourself down, you're stuck with racing thoughts at the end of the night, you may want to consider strategies to help you fall asleep in the beginning process. That might look like decreasing the time that you spend on your laptop or with screens. I know, easier said than done. You might also consider strategies to remove any sort of electronic devices from your bedroom and reducing the light inside of your room. This might look like turning off the lights or improving different kinds of light fixtures in your room so that it's more low level lighting. This might mean having some fairy lights in your room or maybe um, changing the position where your lamp is on your bedside table to someplace farther away from your bed. It might also look like not doing work in your bed. If you're someone like me who is constantly thinking about what's the next next task or needs to check emails, it becomes a really bad habit to check on my emails right before I go to bed. It makes perfect sense. My brain gets confused that I should be able to work on something and my body is trying to sleep and it's sending mixed signals of what the bed is used for. So if you have the ability to change your routine about the level of lighting, the uh, ways that you can improve your sleep quality and getting to sleep, those are some strategies you can try. You might also want to try and consider using some supplements like melatonin or maybe even speaking with your own primary care provider to see if you're truly having trouble sleeping to consider if medication is right for you. As a doctor, I can't give you any prescriptions or even tell you any medical advice um, because I don't have that ability, but I really recommend that you consider speaking to your primary care provider if sleep is a genuine concern of yours. Some other things that you might also consider are supplements that aid in sleep like cranberries, uh, juice I've heard has helped some other people. Some people do take Um, alcohol or wine right before bed, uh, you may decide that that's not a good option for you, in which case there are other tonics and other types of options that are available that are non-alcoholic that do have that soothing ability to help you go to sleep. I know for me, I've actually increased a lot of supplements over the years, uh, specifically within the last several months that have helped to improve my sleep quality, including melatonin. I've also taken uh, gummies that are ashwagandha, and I also take other supplements besides that to help with my overall day-to-day functioning. Now let's talk about the relationship you have with food. 
I want to admit that the relationship with food that you have might be very different from my experiences. You may have experiences with food that cause yourself to feel anxious or get stressed, even considering discussing food and that food has been a very negative aspect of your life. If that's you, I highly recommend that you speak with a mental health professional to discuss ways that you can consider reviewing your eating habits in the past and deciding what makes the most sense for your lifestyle and your goals. I know that for me, my experience with food as someone who enjoys eating food has been mostly fairly positive. I really enjoy eating foods that are flavorful, have a lot of spice to it. Having grown up in a Filipino, Mexican, American household, I enjoyed the aspect that was social around food. I enjoyed eating around the dinner table with my cousins, my aunts, my uncles, my parents. I also recognized that I ate a lot of fast food growing up. And so at times I kind of defer to that when things get very busy. And it's not about what's good or bad in the way that I'm eating food. I just know that that's where I'm coming from with my experiences with food. One of the things that I noticed about food was that I was equating food and the experience of food and hoping to relay that to my family and to my children. But what I didn't recognize was that my children have their own experiences with food. Uh, as my children are adopted, they have different preferences in food, tastes, textures, even sitting at the table. The experiences that they have are valid, and I often found that it became a place of stress and anxiety for me as I considered what to cook for dinner, what I should prepare by going to the grocery store. Often I found myself getting stressed even thinking about what to cook for dinner as I really didn't grow up cooking very often because a lot of the times my families had a very busy lifestyle where we took out a lot of fast food. That being said, I started to look at ways that I could improve the way I looked at food both as someone who prepares food for other people to eat and also for myself who needs food to sustain the day-to-day -day functioning. So for myself, I wanted to get back to the foods that I knew, loved, and enjoyed. So how that works in my family is I use a meal subscription service, which I understand not everyone has the ability to do, but for my family, it does work and I found that that's really helped me take away the stress of having to prepare food from scratch every single day. So we have about three meals a week that are meal subscription boxed meals and I also have other supplement meals that I buy from the grocery store and prepare as normal. The three meals out of the week I find the most satisfaction are are foods that I enjoy eating. For my kiddos who have safety foods, and maybe if you're here and you're listening to me, maybe your child is a very picky eater, a selective eater, or has their own um, medical concerns that require specific foods to be eaten and actually takes off a lot of different foods that are not able to be eaten at the house. If that's the case, I know that food can be very, very complicated. In my family, we do have some safety foods that we need to have at all times and that looks like we have a list of all the safety foods they're placed on the fridge i present the food options that are available on the table and it's often sometimes people are eating 
two different meals at that table. At sometimes in the times when we really need the safety foods out there, there's three to four meals at the table being eaten. And for some families, that's very overwhelming to think that there would be that much variety at the dinner table. But our, for our family, that's what actually worked. We were able to find meals that each of us enjoyed. And I also provide opportunity and choice in allowing the foods that our children like to try and also allowing them not to be shamed or guilted into eating quote unquote more healthy foods. Now I'm not diminishing the need for different variety of food groups to be presented. I am simply saying that if your child is a very picky selective eater, then it's important for you to find ways that food becomes less of a stressor in your life and to contribute to the relationship of positive eating habits and not necessarily equating eating to having lesser or more value depending on the foods that you eat. For example, sometimes our kiddos are very curious about the foods that we have on the table. Sometimes they want to try the new food at the table. And other times I honestly get a lot of complaining. <laughs> so if it's something that you feel like you're constantly battling, having children try new, more healthy foods, maybe just reconsidering your expectations around what that might look like for your family. Maybe that is experiencing allowing yourself to feel a bit of loss and pain, knowing that your kiddo doesn't have the same food preferences as you, knowing that they might not enjoy the foods that you grew up with. And that's okay. It's okay and very valid for you to feel that loss of, I enjoy these foods. My children is different from me. They do not like the same foods. Therefore, I cannot share that experience with them. Instead, maybe try reframing it as my child has their own preferences with food. It has nothing to do with my own preferences and I'm supporting their relationship with positive relationship with food. Let's talk about physical health. So for myself, I know that I often put myself at the bottom of the list for my own physical needs. That is actually something I did last year where I completely took away all of the necessary required times when I was supposed to be scheduling for my doctor appointments. And honestly, I think with the stress level where I was at, I just felt that that's what I needed to do in order to get through a very hectic season in my life. And so now I'm going back to returning back to scheduling my own appointments, attending the appointments, and then following up on the necessary appointments. If you are a special needs mom, this may really resonate with you because you're constantly battling the additional appointments and management of your children's schedules and their medical concerns, often sometimes at the expense of your own physical health. And so if you are someone who maybe feels that that's been a bit neglected, I would highly recommend that you write out a goal for yourself to decide when you're going to call the hospital or to discuss with your parenting partner if you have a parenting partner how you can work out the schedules to attend an appointment or maybe working it out with your employer maybe you're considering ways that you can improve your social life if you are someone who's an introvert or an extrovert you may find that at different stages in life your social life changes Maybe during the pandemic, you found that you were more introverted. You decided that you weren't able to socialize as much as you want. As a parent, it's really important to 
regulate with other adults, especially if your kiddo has a very sensitive nervous system, if they have special needs, or if they require a lot more attention due to their age. If that's the case, spending time with other parents or any adult is really, really essential. If you work from home, that can be extra challenging, but here's some ways that you can consider meeting up with other people, even if you can't get out of the house. Number one, go to support groups. If you don't have an existing support group available, try looking in your area by searching and Googling it online. You also have the opportunity of finding specific meetup groups like through meetup.com or having a way that you can connect with other people in your local area by checking out if there are any opportunities for volunteering, such as your children's school, or by volunteering to be an activities support person, like a coach at a child's soccer team. Or maybe you just can't get out of the house at all. You may want to consider maybe seeing if you can create your own support group or your own book club. There are so many different ways that you can connect with people online virtually these days that while I wouldn't say it's a complete opportunity for replacing in-person social activities, I also recognize that social activities can be very draining for people, especially if you're starting to feel all of the effects of burnout, including a loss of motivation, a feeling of apathy, and generally having a hard time being able to complete the regular day-to-day -day activities and self-care routines that you might struggle with. So if you can get out of the house, find ways that you can focus on improving your socialization virtually, whether that's through an online face group group, a virtual support group, or by creating a virtual support group yourself. So many options out there. I will say that it's challenging, but it is something to consider. Romantic partnerships. If you are currently in a relationship or pursuing a relationship, finding time to carve out with your partner is very, very important. That may look very different in different seasons of life. If you're a new parent or a parent with a child with special needs, that can be extra challenging because now, while you're focusing on supporting your kiddo, navigate the challenges associated with those special needs, you're still trying to find time to get through your own employment if you are currently employed and the own social activities and relationship with your partner can sometimes get shuffled to the side. This is something that I highly recommend people do and consider when they're going through a very challenging season with their parenting partner and their family. Number one is to find a time to dedicate to speaking about all the things that you need to for your family. This could look like once a week for 20 minutes, 15 minutes, or even 10 minutes outlining some important things that you need to discuss for the weekly management of household activities. That could look like providing times for upcoming appointments, activities, or maybe specific things that need to be taken care of on the family front that are related to finances, employment, or day-to-day -day management of car or any other important aspect of your life. That being said, once you kind of handle that time, you can then spend intentional time together. That might look like an evening routine of 10 to 15 minutes of talking to each other about how your day went, or maybe sharing a new fun fact about what happened during the day. It could be as simple as, I noticed that it was a bit rainy today. It doesn't have to be life-changing and you don't have to bear your soul each time that you spend quality time with your partner. 
just acknowledging that you're sharing this life together, identifying ways that you can spend quality time with each other doesn't mean that you have to spend a, a, a large quantity of time together. This might look like watching a Netflix show together for 20 minutes. If you don't have the ability to do that, maybe just sending some nice heartfelt text messages about thinking of you. Hope you're having a good day. Is there anything I can do for you today? Sometimes those texts can be very hard and maybe it feels a bit forced for you to even go that far in texting and communicating with your partner that way. But those little things are meaningful and if you assign the intention as supportive and meaningful, just realize that at times your communication with your partner is going to vary. Having been with my partner and my spouse for the last nearly 10 years, I know that relationships have seasons. At times, maybe in the beginning, you spent a large amount of time with your partner. Maybe the shifts in your schedule have changed and there's less time for you to spend that quality time that you really want to. If you have the capability of hiring a babysitter to go on a date night, that's great. If that's not a possibility due to a variety of factors, that's also okay. Spending quality time with your partner might look different in different seasons of your life and just acknowledging that, yes, that is really challenging and hard, it's also okay to realize that that's where you are in the present moment and it may not always be that way. Lastly, I want to talk a little bit more about sense of self and your overall health for your psychological health and mental well-being. If you're thinking about ways that you want to improve the way that your outlook in life is and you're finding that you're feeling very unmotivated and apathetic or feeling really overwhelmed, depressed, hopeless, or just feeling really, really tired and fatigued all the time, some of the things that I mentioned to you might feel very challenging. I highly recommend you try to focus maybe on one thing at a time, one thing a month or maybe one thing every other month. Not all of these things can be solved in one day or really a year. Sometimes things and seasons are very hard and that's okay. One of the things that I've done to help with identifying ways to de-stress from my day is finding a small outlet. For me, that's actually karaoke. I download a karaoke app. I sing a little bit every so often. That really helps. Other times, um, hobbies I do um, vary in the amount of commitment and time that I can invest in them. For me, it's also drawing. I like using a app that I can draw or color using my iPad. Um, other times in my life, I found reading as a big solace for myself or listening to podcast episodes. Sometimes you do have the time to volunteer for organizations or to find a new hobby that you can go and attend in person, like a painting class or going to a community college to invest time in researching a new career path. All of those things combined, it's really important for you to decide what does feel good for me is feasible with my schedule, my income, and my time. All of those things help you decide what makes the most sense for you. I've also found that going to my own therapy is really, really helpful. If you have a therapist right now and you love them and they're really supporting you, that's great. Sometimes you can have more than one therapist for different reasons. I've had a mental health therapist where I've been going to do talk therapy um, for the last year and in different seasons, I've had different therapists and coaches help me in different aspects of my life. You might have a therapist for your own mental health but you also separately might have somebody who's a parent coach that's specifically guiding you to help 
guide parenting decisions and to support your child's overall quality of life. So it really depends on what your needs are and your ability to invest in the time and the financial aspect for those therapists. And unfortunately, our mental health in the United States is very, very hard, especially with insurance and so many different access issues that can really make it feel almost impossible to find a therapist of our choosing at the price in our ability that we can afford. That said, I want to acknowledge that maybe a little bit of ways that you can find solace is to find some friends to talk to, to find groups and resources and books and podcast episodes that make you feel a little less alone. And that's what I hope that you're getting from this podcast episode. It's not to change your life entirely or to completely turn around your own sense of self, but it's to find that other parents like you still struggle, are still getting through the day, and are finding the fact that they aren't alone in their journey of being a parent and that you can find your own sense of peace and resilience as you try to navigate the many challenges facing you as an adult moving through a complicated world. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Parenting Your Peace, Navigating Parental Burnout. I'm so excited to talk with you about my next episode where we're going to be discussing some strategies about parenting models. I'm excited to discuss that next episode with you and I can't wait to talk with you more about parenting your own piece.